Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Wake up in the morning feeling like Waterman is extremely well, she's very slippery. Get on me. Okay, now the tough question. Is this a try? Yes or no? Just because I'm a woman. <laughs> Hello, podcast fans. Oh, I was going to start this week. I was like, hang on, I can start. Okay, we'll go again. You start. Don't make out that you're like the starter of the pod. I was going to be really fun and be like, howdy doody, guys. <laughs> that's, do you know what? That's really fun. Like, <laughs> if anyone said to me, what's a fun way to start? I'd say, oh, definitely. Howdy doody, guys. Are you 80 years old? <laughs> I feel like it. And you look like it a little bit. You've done, have you been working for the last... I don't know, 105 hours constantly. I feel like that. And do you know what? The worst thing. So worked all weekend for Scrum 5. And then yesterday went in to voice my piece and finish it and put it to bed. It was a good piece. Thank you. And went home. Well, I didn't go home. I went up to mum and dad's. And I was like sat at their like kitchen table, like chatting away. And Sean Jones, the producer, texted me to say that there was a like incorrect word in my voiceover. And I had to drive back to BBC, into the underground car park, up in the lift, into the voiceover booth to redo literally four words. Four words had to be re-recorded. I was like, oh God. But it was good. And it was nice to, you know what, I actually, when I see things that you do, I'm like, that's really good. Like, it's amazing. I'm always really impressed. (laughs) I don't know whether that's because I I forget how wonderful you are or I just set a low bar. (laughs) Yeah, probably the latter. For anyone who doesn't know what we're talking about, I did a piece for Scrum 5 this week as a with a parody of The Apprentice. And if I hear Prokofiev, Romeo and Juliet, ever again, it will be too soon. Because when you sit and edit, you if you do a piece like that, you lay that music down first. And then over the course of the next 10 hours, you hear it over and over and over. And it's... Tell you what, it's kind of like now where we need to do subtitles on Instagram stories if I have to listen to myself on Instagram stories, because I I don't even make sense. It also highlights, I don't speak 
in proper English. So when I'm then doing the subtitle, I have to correct my English and take out the West Countryisms and all sorts of things. I finish my sentence, maybe. Um, keep you aware of how to, how many times you start a sentence with so <laughs> you can't help doing it, and then you're like, oh god, again. Can I just? Um, can I? Do you need to do the shoulder thing as well? Um, can I just say about the security guard that you used? I was it his favourite day at work. <laughs> interesting because he. So I'd come up with the concept. I said so just to start that sentence. I'd come up with the concept, and um, I could tell that the men in the office were a little bit unsure of what I had intended to do with this. Wales are looking for a defence coach. It's a job. The apprentice vibe. They were all a bit kind of. Um. Catherine Heller, however, was like fanning the flame. She was like, "This is the best idea I've ever heard." Who can we have as Lord Sugar? Which, if you have looked on social media, we spelt Sugar S I W G R, which is obviously Sugar in Welsh. That's what we did there. Um, and we were kind of walking around the office, socially distanced from everybody else, of course, trying to find someone who vaguely looked like Lord Sugar. And I thought, where is there a lot of middle aged men at BBC? The security hut. <laughs> I went down there. And a couple of the gentlemen were already in there. I said, oh, does anybody fit the bill? Yes, Julian, Julian, he's an actor as well. He'll be perfect. And the best part of my day, and this just made my week, was that I was in the office. It was the day that I had my hair in my like corkscrew curls, my little space buns on top. And they rang him whilst I stood there and they were like, Julian, there is a beautiful woman here. And I was like, so now I know I'm just going to go to the security hut for compliments in the office every time. <laughs> uh, well, you know what? He was the star of the show, let's be honest, because uh, Wales rugby weren't necessarily the highlight of the weekend. And talking about highlights, oh, oh little gig for Prime. Uh, yeah, uh, I was so nervous and I was such a nerd with all of the games. I was like right doing my like ultimate analysis of them all and then realize that I only actually get to say a couple of points on each game so I have to pick out what was my favorite um but it was really cool we, we were supposed to be over in France um we're supposed to be at the final game of each weekend I mean obviously it didn't help that the game was cancelled but we couldn't travel anyway yeah they came up with all these different plans of where could you go and and when we were having a production meeting in the in the week we were talking about um where we might be because obviously covid we all do tests so we've got to come back positive um no negative <laughs> <laughs> positively negative um and they said look we might do we've got this idea where it could be um yourself and io like sat next to a fire and honest to God, the panic on my face of the sweat marks and the tomato face that might come out. I was like, um, I kind of planned my outfits around oh, the winter jacket that I um, had chosen and also a roll neck. So are we like, is the fire going to be real? <laughs> You're very kind of um, Finn Crosby and David Bowie. Little <laughs> It's a real vibe, isn't it? It's kind of Jack and Ori Christmas song. But to be fair, they did a good job. We secured Twickenham as our um, location for the next 
uh, well, the next three weeks, so for all four shows. Um, obviously, living down the road is pretty nice because I got dropped off from a little pack lunch. Off I went um, to work. The place was glorious sunshine to start the day. Um, and in complete contrast to the night before where it wasn't quite as bad as the Premiership final, but it was pretty terrible. The Premiership final. Do you know what? It feels weird in that because obviously we have rugby at this point of the year every year but because there are no fans the weather feels 10 times worse I feel like you don't notice when there are 70,000 fans at the Principality or 80,000 at Twickenham good god it's so unpleasant you've got to feel sorry for the boys they look so much colder oh my god right so talking about bad weather we've had a bit more um pro 14 on over the last like few weeks just having it on in the background obviously living with an italian um Simone likes to support um the, the benetton boys and zebra um and last night the cardiff blues game um it was literally horizontal rain and um, i wasn't really watching the game so i was a bit rugbyed out but i genuinely thought and this isn't you haven't even teed me up for this i wonder what the worst job is at a game like that so I know as a player it's rank and I know obviously be the worst position because you have less running rugby and attacking rugby in well no you can just run on the spot and you're out of shot and no one really cares what you're doing um they used to call it the rest position or that uh, they also said that it's like a sweeper in sevens the girls on, in video analysis said that I was just basically like this comedy jogger that kept coming across <laughs> and then coming back into shot anyway I was like, obviously in a commentary box, you're, you're stood still, but you are up in the stands, you're wrapped up. And then I just thought, the touch judge, the assistant referee, they, it's because they're stood in the rain, they have to concentrate. Just ignore, getting, that was my dad calling me, just ignore him. Is he wanting to phone in and let us know about what he thinks with the coldest? <laughs> Weirdly then, I had this, in my head I thought, oh, the worst conditions I've ever worked in was at Rodney Parade. And then Talked popped, about this. No, but then popped in my head, I can't believe we haven't had Nick Jones on the podcast to talk about his Rodney Parade story. And then I thought, there is some illegal behaviour in that, so it's probably best that we haven't. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, I think, you know what, as... Touch judge. I don't think that's the worst job in those conditions. Yeah, but you... The thing is, you're stood there. You're, like, moving up and down with play. You're trying to, like, work out how you can actually help the referee. So it's not like you can... I mean, sometimes it does look like AR switch off. What one? Who? Ball boy. No, because they're young and they love it. <laughs> they have to try and keep a towel dry for 80 minutes and dry yeah. that is a skill right there <laughs> yeah no fair play and actually you know what what's what was funny about the weekend and doing the highlight show from a sunny Twickenham was the rain at Twickenham and then the sunshine and beautiful weather in Florence and they were like yeah it's sunny and humid and then in Twickenham it's like it's horizontal rain um yeah what not good my friend Josh did the game in Florence and sent me photos all morning when he got there on the Friday, like all these different pictures from the ground and stuff, which, but no captions, just sending me photos. And I was like, I'm not getting this. Like, I don't understand. Like, Josh is a good friend. I was, you know, texting most days, but I wasn't getting it. 
And then he was like, oh, recognize all of those, bring back memories. No, I've never been to Florence. He was like, did we not do a shoot here? I was like, no, we've, I, I've never been there before in my life. And he was like, oh God, you must've thought I was really strange. I thought these were, <laughs> I was like, no, I think you're confusing it with Claremont. Right, I am, yeah, yeah. No, I've never been here either. I was like, oh, Josh. Not even the right country. <laughs> yeah. It shows how you spend so much time at rugby stadia that you just, they all blend into one. Yeah, and actually we're starting to see that, aren't we, with like the players. I'm fascinated and obviously I'm not playing now, so it, it's hard, but I would like to know that, you know, we talk about the, the 16th player being the crowd and, yeah. and actually we are seeing um, the influence of crowds and I, it, and is that does it play more of an impact in a team's performance? Ones that will live off the, you know, yeah. the, the principality is ridiculous. Like how much that much that must lift the guys. And but also, I because now about playing there, it's stripped it away. I think even if it was empty, it would have the legacy of the fear factor of it, which I think we see at Toman Park. So there is nowhere where it's truer that the 16th man is important than for Munster at Toman Park. We have seen Munster miracles there over the years. And it does... I got still my first play. cap. Did you? Yeah, little it, miracle. It's one of my <laughs> favourite places to go. I love it. I love the people. I love that stadium. I love Munster at home. I love that stand-up-and-fight attitude. But you kind of feel like it, even without anybody there, retains that specialness this right. it's a cathedral of rugby that's the that's okay. the feeling you get somewhere like Tomond. it's a cathedral of rugby not just a stadium there's more to it there's more passion in those bricks and mortar it's it's something a bit oh, more that, that that runs deep in um how much we like it isn't it it's, i mean i'm pleased i got my first cap there that is such a special place um and actually some of the bars after the my first cap brilliant because we won the six nations and partied pretty hard and it's the only place to turn up for your first cap to win the tournament like hey, seven minutes of rugby and i got a grand slam medal <laughs> counted cheers when you get introed on the highlights and they're like multiple grand slam winner if only they knew the backstory to some of those i did play in quite a few minutes of the other ones i made up for it um you talk about some of the rugby that's been played this weekend well i actually want to talk about crowds and stuff because i watching um the rugby championship game new zealand argentina i i was like like loving it the crowd were like proper getting into it and i was like it is a bit odd that they're like cheering so much for the argentinians like this is weird like this is very anti-new zealand they've obviously had a like i don't know like a ha some strong coffee and, and some sweets before the game or something um and then realized it was in sydney <laughs> and the i couldn't think of anywhere i'd want to go less as a punter than Parramatta. do you know where Parramatta is you know that's where we were in sydney the other year so like inland from the coast the, I, I do know where it is because you told me that we could go and have a really lovely day in Sydney and we could go to the beach and check it out and we were gonna and we got your tattoo and it was where our first ever pod was spoken about and then we spent I reckon four hours in trains, taxis, Ubers, trying to work out. Oh, we have a lovely chicken schnitzel for our dinner though in North Bondi Fish. Oh yeah, yeah we did. Yeah, no. That to be fair, that was um, that was a highlight. But 
let's throw that back in my face. I treat you well. Um, so the rugby, should we actually talk about, we keep getting distracted from that. Um, I well, think we'll start off then with Argentina winning against New Zealand. So New Zealand now are just not an unstoppable force. They are just beatable. Like, who are you? You're a shadow of your former selves. Argentina. I thought you were going to say something else then. You're a sh- show. Um, I love seeing men cry. So when a Latin team, <laughs> you are guaranteed some tears. And I loved it. Oh, it's so it's so interesting when a team beats a formidable force. So we've seen it a couple of different ways. So like obviously Australia like burst the bubble last week um, with the women's with the Black Ferns. They had in the sevens they had this like forty three game um, unbroken win record on the HSBC series, and then Spain came along and they were like the giant slayers. And after that, you saw like. America beat them, England even nearly beat them, um, we didn't know, but um, like all of the other sides, Australia, there was a, there was a kind of turning of the, turn of the coin with like between Australia and New Zealand and, and actually there is this mindset about winning and, and the, the unbeatable being beatable, yeah. um, which I don't know, I think is actually, is a fascinating psychology behind sport that it's probably the only place that you can really experience it. And like actually reminded me, um, one of the coolest people I've ever met. And I mean, when I say cool, not really necessarily cool because I think he's in his eighties, but, um, Roger Bannister. Um, Yeah. So four minute mile. And then knowing about his story, having like studied at school and stuff and the impact of someone doing something and then everybody else like he broke the four minute mile and then it was literally like oh it's easy everyone everyone do that now um yeah I I don't know it is like and the other part of the game was like there were some really cool shots and clips all over social media of um Pablo is it Matera Matera, captain um from Argentina and how there was like this real scuffle and he was involved and then Angus Gardner pulled him over the ref and was like, look, you can't do like, you can't do this. And Pablo basically turned around and said, they've disrespected one of my players. I'm not going to allow that. And it's amazing. I'm playing for my country and he pointed at the pew. Yeah. Like this passion. But, but one of the values that we hold in rugby is about respect. And obviously it, it just clicked, like clicked a switch in, um, in Angus's mind because I, th- I don't know when it was maybe like 15 20 minutes after there was a penalty given to New Zealand and um on the back of it um Dan Cole Dan Cole Dane. Dane. <laughs> I was like Dan Cole plays ring um Dane Cole um rubbed the um Argentinian's face to basically say ah oh, like yeah. you know being sarky and stuff and the penalty was reversed and you I just feel like, like well, don't you? you hate that kind of behavior. I love, I love the fact that he reversed the penalty. Like I am all for that. Like, don't be a knobhead. Don't, don't do. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I just feel like that, you know, when we look at like psychology and language and I speak by it quite a bit in other bits and pieces of work that I do, the, the way that you can, plant ideas and thoughts and processes in people's place by the language that you use and actually that's how clever the um the captains are you know in terms of how they stand and I know I can't remember who it was it might have been 
someone talking about Martin Johnson or somebody and how these rugby players are like six foot six, six foot six, huge, huge men and stood next to like a five foot eight referee. And instead of being intimidating and standing over them at different moments when they actually reduce their body height and they come down and then they, and they kind of minimize their intimidation yeah. because they kind of like when they're sorry yeah, like standing on their haunches isn't it and like holding their knees you know we see a lot of second row captains and have done over the years and back row captains who tend to be those big blokes that like you say martin johnson kieran reed alan Wynne jones and it is a really um purposeful body language yeah. they're putting out there it's really interesting yeah no it is and and I the other thing toner was never island captain though because even if he did stand with his hands on his knees he'd still be about six foot two so <laughs> you know i there's one other thing that i thought was really was really funny and it kept making me giggle every time aaron smith would run off and then show the back of his head because he had his head taped and he had a there was like a panel um of tape at the back it may, basically looked like because you couldn't see the front that he had um a cap on <laughs> Honestly, look back at it. It's so funny. It looked like he's basically got this like peak out to the side, um, like a visor. But as soon as I noticed it, um, as soon as I noticed it, it was that's all I could watch. But anyway, to be fair, brilliant result. Um, loved the reaction, the emotion behind it. Obviously, like, did you see the the footage around um, their training? I think maybe BT Sport when they're running around the house. Yeah. In quarantine and stuff. Do you know yeah. what? I've talked about it on the podcast before, but um, a girl I know, Lucy Lord, has is just finishing her two weeks isolation. She's flown from the UK back to Sydney after being stuck here. I've six seen months. her on social media because she's posted um, updates of the food packages. Yeah, she gets. how gross. They have to spend £3,000 to quarantine Australia and the food they get is disgusting. And she said she's been on these like um, Facebook groups about it and people were getting their 10,000 steps in, in those like 16 foot by 16 foot rooms. And I just, I couldn't do it. Like as much, I would love to be on the beach in Sydney. I couldn't do it. I could not take that. That is just, I don't know, vom. Anyway. Lots of other rugby. We've spoken about the rugby championship. Alan, pardon? Island Wales. Friday night, I got a text from a friend that said, I've grown up watching Wales have a terrible set piece, but this feels like a new low. And I just thought, <laughs> what a Sunday night emotion from Hugh Star. <laughs> yeah, and, and it, the, the stats with it, apparently four loss lineouts, four loss scrums, and actually the ball that they did get when they when they got it back at different times was just you can't compete and i think you know i don't know all of the injuries in and out of the the welsh squad um and the influence of players but your set pieces are bread and butter it's where you launch all your all your plays from and to be turned over like that it, i don't know i mean are they missing loads of front row plays Ken Owens, you feel like you must be the most important cog in the Wales machine. But there was a lot of, I mean, again, we talk about body language and it's something I know that you love a bit of, but there there was a lot of biff in that game. A lot of, uh, <laughs> a lot of dust ups, a lot of just, it felt on the edge the whole time. And 
Welsh players' body language just seemed quite negative. And I know that we were talking about this and you made a comment about a, an expression on Alan Wynn's face at one point, but they just felt like there was an undercurrent of, of something else there. It didn't, and perhaps, you know, it was interesting, obviously the Masters was on all weekend, which I watched all weekend. And Rory McIlroy had said in his press conference before the tournament that he had found playing golf since, the pandemic really hard to square in his head if something went wrong that it actually mattered because there were no fans there there's no galleries like if he hit a bad shot he just felt like he was like playing a practice round like he would have done pre-tournament any other time it didn't feel real and I wonder how much that's kind of is there a lack of reality of what they're playing for is is that something that's going through players minds does it feel if you know you've got players who are inexperienced who've never played international rugby does this feel like it doesn't matter not you know nobody goes out with any lack of pride as an international rugby player but is there something that kind of is missing to make you feel like this is a test match and it's everything um, I think yes and no I think anybody I think from the men's side it's different from the women's because they experience sellout crowds week in week out at test match level the influence of the home crowds home or away you know if you're going away and you manage to silence the crowd you know I know the impact that that had us on us in particular in France because that was where we played our biggest crowds um but I think the where Wales are for me and I think Wayne Pivak has potentially got it wrong, is that he, there's always this transition and interim period where you see, uh, a, you see, as you go towards a World Cup, you're, you're going down and you're experienced and you're trying to work out who your starting players are, they need to be consistent, who's your wider squad, but you see in a more consistent way. And hopefully by the point of the World Cup, loads, everyone's got as much experience as possible. You may see one or new, relatively new faces, but that's it. You come out of that World Cup season and then there's retirements, people that have been holding on physically that then get broken in a World Cup or they don't quite make it out. And so you, you lose significant players for whatever reason. And at that point, a, a judgment call needs to be made. Do we, is there a change of the guard naturally? Do we need to enforce a change in the guard? Or what is our culture? What do we stand for? What's our why with this group of people? Because we've got people towards the end of their career, wherever they're at, they need to take on a different role than they would have had last year at the World Cup. So they're, you know, what's their mentality like? When I was a senior player, I spent a reasonable amount of time making, like looking after the younger girls, but at the same time feeling like you're under even more pressure because you're at the top and you're the one that's just about to be pushed off the top. Yeah. So it's like you kind of need to be looked after for your confidence. Um, and then at the same, and then you've got these young players coming in wanting to push you out. And so there's this kind of, I don't know, like this, this tug of war effect in, and, and I think that's where the coach has to own it. Um, in Wales at the moment, if you talk to fans, it's who is coming through. And that seems to be a kind of a universal concern when you have conversations about Wales, about Wales's future, about, you know, talking about dropping players, changing players. It doesn't feel like we are on the cusp of another golden generation. And perhaps that's what Wales have enjoyed with, you know, players like Alan Wynne-Jones and Jonathan Davis and Lee Halfpenny and stuff like that. And 
it doesn't feel like there is a glut of young talent coming through in Wales for the first time in a long time. So obviously people are really excited to see Lewis Rees Samet get a chance and Callum Sheedy. And you'd imagine this weekend against Georgia, we will see changes. We will see youngsters coming through. James Botham's been called up into the uh, Wales squad. Um, really exciting. I love him. Um, Do you actually love him? Well, I did, just because of who his grandfather is, let's be honest. Like, oh my god, did you see someone tweeted the BBC announcement that um, Ian Botham's uh, grandson had been selected into the squad and didn't even mention his name? <laughs> that's what did I? Yes, because I replied saying, "Oh yeah, you tagged me in it." <laughs> about this, commas daughter of Jim. Um, I, yeah, I sent it to you. Oh yeah. Um, I you know you know what. So I think what's really hard, I, and this is where a new coach coming in has got to own what they want. Where do they go? And as much as people say getting to a World Cup with all this experience is super important, why you also need players, and why you don't necessarily see players with as many caps as Alan and Jones, is that. Other players need opportunities. Now, that's not picking them over other people. And we used to have it with England, and it used to break me, you know, that there'd be a rotation. And it's like, I've worked my absolute socks off to be the best in the country, the best in the world. Why do I have to be rotated? But it's not, you know, because there needs to be a continual flow of of performance yeah. and you can't just have a stop point and a start point. Like, people need to be integrated in. Um, and I feel like, in all honesty, there are players in the Welsh setup that have been around for a long time that are now that all right they might be really good at test match level but you need to bring in someone else to actually be able to get them up to speed as quick as possible and you know George North week when we talked about the Lions question and, and for me as a Wales fan and a punter it that's what concerns me are we putting loyalty into players because we want to help them get on a Lions tour next year if, if Alan Wynn is saying that's where he wants to go out, does that put the union in a position where they have to continue to pick him? Yeah. How do, you, how do you drop the most capped player in the world? If they pick him. <laughs> yeah, I think that it is brutal and we've spoke about it before, but unfortunately in, in Tesma, you know, and um what's his name? Parise is a classic example of wanting a fairy tale and unfortunately it hasn't happened. And maybe with Alan Wynn it's even worse because like he's got to all of these achievements in empty stadiums, not even at the Principality. Do you know what I mean? All of these things and they've losing games yeah. and it is rubbish. And you, everyone's kind of, all of the rugby world have got so much respect for him and they're like, God, this person doesn't deserve it. He's been at the top of his game year on year on year. He's an incredible leader. He's all, you know, he's, you can list off everything that you feel about him. But, you know, there comes a point where change needs to be made. And, and I don't know enough about the depth of the Welsh, like second row, back row, to know whether there is someone to step into that now. Um, but I think if we flip it on its head, because I know that you're a bit depressed about the Welsh situation, so we'll move it on. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Actually, the attitude that Andy Farrell's had with Ireland, how some of his selections um, paid off. I think Gibson Park at nine, dropping um, Conor Murray to the bench, unbelievable. Just opened up how Ireland played. Um, he brought in low on the wing, you know, had an absolute stormer for a first cap. Um, I think he, in his talk is talking about it being a new squad he's talking about people needing opportunities and so his language what he's telling everybody is we're playing these people to give them a chance we are one big squad we're not just about our best players with the most caps it's about everybody moving forward as a as a you know in union um and is that the right word in union well, i'm gonna say something and it's gonna make me unpopular with people who listen in ireland Maybe Wales do need to take the approach of Ireland and just find some players to come and live here for a couple of years and then they can come and <laughs> Jameson Dixon Park is a Kiwi. Bundyaki is a Kiwi. James Lowe is a Kiwi. CJ Standers, South African. It, I feel very passionately that we have to address this in international sport. I get you're always, you know, and, and let's be honest, you know, Wales have had Hadley Parks in the past few years. There is an issue here. There is an issue with Ireland. You look at that team and the amount of those players that were Irish qualified had not gone through an Irish rugby system. I'm not talking about being born in a country. I'm Welsh. I wasn't born in Wales. I was born in Oxford because that's my parents said when I was born. But I went through the Welsh school system. If I'd been a young man playing rugby, I would have gone through the Welsh rugby system. I would have graduated from that. And that's where I have an issue with it. Mm, it's a good point, actually. Um, God, uh, where do I start? I think, I think you're right. I think there is something. I actually didn't know that Gibson Park was a Kiwi. Um, probably why he's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but then, you, you know, you've also got Billy Burns, who is over there. Exactly, so, another one. Yeah. Yeah. Gone through that um, but then actually, do you say, you know what, the rules are the rules at the moment and they're, they're, they're not doing anything wrong. They're just kind no, of... I, I completely agree. They are being they creative. Are, they are playing yeah. within the rules. They are doing... They are not breaking any rules. They are doing exactly what World Rugby has sanctioned and they're allowed to do. However, on Friday night, a tier one nation like Ireland for the first time made it look like a real joke because there were 
a number of players in that. It wasn't one or two. It wasn't a sprinkling. You know, CJ Stand is one of the most passionate Irishmen you'll ever meet nowadays. He's the other back row, I think he scored. Mm. But then, you know, okay, let, all right, let's move on to the next game because we do have other bits and pieces. Sorry. So, um, yeah, I'm feeling like um, Vandermeer might not be um, Scottish <laughs> through and through. <laughs> He's an absolute beast, like a ridiculous unit on the wing, tough as old boots, hell of a line for his try. And he had the most ridiculous stats. It was like eight carries and 5,033 metres made. I kind of needed him on my um, Laureus challenge because he's so good. Can we get uh, GPS readers connected up to the Strava? Do you think? <laughs> We've got Alex Matthews. Alex Matthews is contributing her kilometres, so... Uh-huh. What a try. Did that count? Did we get that? Great. Cool. Um, I really enjoyed what you said about Scotland in the highlight show, that these... It was quite easy to watch that game and be like, they. it was a hard-fought win. It wasn't, a, it wasn't a win like the France one that they'll look back on and, and be loving, but equally, these are the games, these are the wins that will are in the tank and, and count for a huge amount it's learning to win as opposed to just beating teams. I can't remember how you put it, but I loved it. Um, thanks Babs. Um, yeah, look, when you are under the cosh and you come out on the other side of it, we talked about why we talked earlier about New Zealand being this unbeatable force. So you create this, like this aura around not only how people see you, but also how you see yourselves. You find a way to win and you, you ride it you ride the storm that's being thrown at you um they came out at half time they changed certain elements they they reduced the number of penalties they saw the game through and but also saw it through without changing too much about the fundamentals of who scotland are and how they want to play and i think that that's really important and when you look at what's impressive about scotland at the moment is the variety of tries that they're scoring the way that they're playing i kind of feel like is going a little bit unnoticed. So their set piece wasn't good enough, right? So they're gonna have to change, especially in the scrum. Although one of their players, a loose head, can't remember his name, went off injured with an ankle injury. And I think the scrum went back a rate of knots because yeah. of him. But before that, there'd been a penalty and a free kick given against Scotland. So I think set piece needs to to be looked at, but actually how they're playing, um, you know, when you did the interview with Stuart, um, talking about his passion for players to want to go out and express themselves, that's coming through. Um, So it's nice to see that they're still playing with that, they're still honouring that belief, but at the same time, dealt with, when when things aren't going right and you're against a team that you should be, it gets so frustrating and it's so easy to overplay. It's so easy to try and be the hero. And actually they didn't do that. They stuck, they stuck with it. They stuck with each other. And I think that that's, what's really cool. And that is what will be what's needed against France. Um, I think I, I also spoke about in the highlight show, if you get given four opportunities against France, you've got to take at least two or three of them. And unfortunately, Scotland did against Italy, but that's their learnings. Um, they created them, which I don't think in years gone by they, they've done. Okay, two last things on that game. One, we send all of our best to Jacob Pelletri. Absolutely oh, for him. So gutted for him. Gloucester have said that it is a significant knee injury. Um, he was a joy to watch in the Prem last season and a real loss to to hit to Gloucester 
this year and it sounds like he will be out for some time. Honestly. <laughs> Honestly. Um, and oh, his dad is the famous Mr. Pledgery, don't know his first name, <laughs> from Bristol. And uh, my dad texts me during the Ireland-Italy game when I was commentating for ITV um, that he regularly played against his dad when my dad was at Bath. Really? So, yeah, so he actually knows him, yeah, um, which I thought, there you go. Good little connection. And secondly, I know you want to talk about it because you love it, uh, Dunky Weir's hair, which he is growing for charity you're a bit annoyed aren't you not obviously about the charity side but you told me that he's had hair like that in the past looks like most of the time anyway uh, <laughs> longer but he's certainly i remember him togging out in a glasgow jersey looking very curly in the past so there we go I, you know what i'm impressed with the hair bubble or the bands that he had in because Either he had some mega grip stuff in there, keeping it in place, or um, yeah, I, I like I've got these rubber bubbles that do that. I'll send yeah. you. Some. Well, don't, 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 don't ever. Lowe, James Lowe takes his hairband out and puts it back in as many times this weekend as he did last weekend. I was losing my mind. I was actually losing my mind. I just, I didn't know if he was trying to get like a shampoo commercial out of it. Some sort of like herbalescence sponsorship but it was constant i felt like every time i looked up at the telly pulling the hair out he um he walked out with it down didn't he for the anthem yeah. i was like go on flowing um they had to do like dutch braids or something imagine that if he has the two charlotte catholic ones with the bo- with with the bows at the end that's a feature idea for me doesn't it i'll try and sell it should i tell you a little story about braiding someone's hair go on so you remind me who is, or tell the audience, um, who is one of the most famous Irish players with a mullet? Played hooker. Shane Byrne. So little fact about Shane Byrne, he hates people touching his hair. It was, which I didn't know, um, naively just thought it would be okay to talk about his hair um when we were over in bermuda at the classics so i was over there as a wag absolutely brilliant god how low about 10 years ago now and he was there and basically we got into the conversation of braiding and that type of thing and i basically said was talking about his hair and he, he got a little bit like spiky and then i was like you know what I'll tell you what if you guys win i'm allowed to braid your hair if you don't because we were complete and like i say we we ultimate fan (laughs) the lions were um complete underdogs um so if you lose you don't and i'll do something um if you win i get to braid your hair and um yeah they won um it was amazing and shane shane bone had his hair braided to the complete astonishment of everybody on the tour. Um, we actually had Axel on the tour. So there was like Irish legends there and they were gobsmacked that he sat there patiently and then decided to tell people that he really liked it and was like stroking the braids that we gave him. <laughs> Never go back. Anyway, um, talking about hair actually, we're gonna move away from Nations, Autumn Nations Cup. Um, one thing I've noticed about the women's game, I can't believe how many of the girls have got such long hair. They've obviously been growing it over lockdown, but they have got them in loose ponytails because 
there's a ruling that you're supposedly not supposed to have it below your shoulders because that's where you can grab. Yeah. And I remember years ago on the HSBC series, Heather Fisher, there was um, the tiny little Brazilian scrum half. And basically Heather came in and like got a massive shot on her and um, at the same time grabbed her ponytail. So Heather kind of, so she did like a hit and then was doing a throw. But because she was so small, because she was so small, she hit her. And then as a player, she managed to like, slip away but Heather had hold of her um ah. ponytail but basically went hit throw to the floor lost the body and then threw her with her hair to the floor <laughs> it was really bad Heather got um she got sighted like she got carded and then got sighted she got a three match ban because of it but in in Heather's defense she wasn't reaching for her hair it was just it was so long because it was below her shoulders now I can't believe how many of the girls' hair is so long because it's to a point where some of them is like nearly down by their waist. So like if anywhere you tackle... To James Lowe, just because he's a man, his hair is beyond shoulder length hair, so he shouldn't be allowed to be playing like that. <laughs> but like, I don't know, I, I actually think because... I'm more concerned about having like a Jess breech plait flung in my face because that hurts. I've done it to myself. <laughs> your head and you get the bobble bit and it pings you in the eye you know what talking about jess she scored a cracking try from um counter-attack brilliant shift it was a it was a pretty crappy kick from um from france and uh yeah it was just shifted and then she just like stepped and accelerated what annoys me about jess is that she looks good when she runs so she's got loads of really nice photos i never did i'm like what is wrong with me? Why couldn't I have that like glamorous running shot, like hair, normal face? I was always like, <laughs> I can hear your photos when I look at them. <laughs> and, uh, you know what? I think if we go on, uh, I can't believe we've left it till last considering how much of a ultimate feminist you are, but First time on BBC Two for the women's game. First time full match, terrestrial TV. Um, pretty decent, to be fair. Yeah, and do you know what? It says a lot about intention in terms of the BBC and, and where they see women's sport. It, you know, it's not like it was part of a wider tournament. So to put in the bid for that and to show those games is a big deal. I, I think it can be quite understated. It's not like those games are part of the women's six nations tournament these are standalone matches and it would have been very easy to see those games not get picked up once upon a time that's what would have happened they wouldn't have been televised in the uk so for the bbc to pick them up shows a huge amount of intent about where they see women's sport and it does feel like a gear shift it does feel like all of a sudden waves are being made but it's never enough you know, and this is where my argument has been over the last, like, however many months when people are saying women's sport is in a bad place because of lockdown and COVID. And yeah, all right, it's not had the best platform that men have had because we're not professional, but it's shone a light on the fact that we're not professional. Mm -hmm. And it's also made companies, people of influence, who at brands, um, media, stop and say, are we doing, are we passively supporting this? Or are we actively supporting it? And, you know, the BBC have always said we cover women's sport. They've always had, you know, Sarah Orchard doing features and 
doing bits and pieces and it's up on the website but there's more that they can do and and by stepping in and picking this up you're right they didn't have to but the time to stop and reflect and say what can we do to be real to really activate getting behind the women's game um yeah they've stepped in and and and, and did a good job i think i was impressed the fact that they had all the girls involved i thought that was really cool it was great to hear cat on comms i know she's been doing loads with sky sports obviously mags and center with um lee mckenzie in studio um but one thing that did disappoint me and i it's hard because i know why they did the content but the video content around who's the bossiest in the team who's yeah. the mum one i think it's language that shouldn't be used because this is something that you always argue about isn't it with like there's you would never describe a man as bossy it's something i've really struggled with most of my life from being a small child to being a woman in a male dominated environment now the descriptor bossy is reserved for women and it's not a positive one it's never positive when i was a kid and someone would say oh she's bossy no you don't if, if I was a little boy, you wouldn't have said that. And it's something I really struggle with. And I, I really hate hearing women referred to in that tone. And it's hard because it, it wasn't said like that. It was said in jest. Um, I just feel like for me, it wasn't necessarily all of that. I think, yeah, all right. It, it could, they could have chosen better questions potentially. I think that that's a social media post to, and, and content to put up to promote the fact that the game is on the weekend. It is not a VT to run before the before a test match. Now, yes, it needs to be lighthearted. Yes, we need to be talking about the women and bringing them to life. It was a way of like, it was, I think it was called like meet the players. Yeah. But I feel like it trivialized the, the players, the professionalism, um, the level of the match that was just about to happen. England won it. And by winning, they became world number one. But yet the video we saw before the game was about who's bossy and who's mum. And I, I, look, it doesn't need to mirror the men's. And I'm not saying the content needs to be dry and dull and boring and, um, you know like pretty much all of the interviews i ever did with the rfu just because um but actually i i feel it left the content and the whole show down a little bit that's where i perhaps disagree with you slightly in that the language they chose is reductive i don't care who's the mum of the team i wouldn't ask who's the dad of the team in a men's vt that kind of fun piece you do see in the men's game i did it a million times with international size i used to do one where i would give players um a questionnaire to fill in. I did it with Wales. It was called Who's Who. And then I would ask the teammates. So tell me something about yourself that none of your teammates know. And then I would quiz the others on those questions and answers. So that's do it. What I will say, and I don't mean any disrespect to who was involved in the production of that, I don't know, but are the best people working on women's sport? I know that for a long time in my career, working in production, it wasn't something that I wanted to do because it, it wasn't as cool as doing the men's. And on the men's, you had a lot more ability to do things and spend money and do fun stuff. That's where I want to push this now as somebody on the production side of things. Let's take it to the level that we take the men's as opposed to it being a little bit lazy. Yeah, it was, it, it, yeah, it, it it was kind of like it'd been filmed on a phone, wasn't it? You know, it wasn't, no, it wasn't something that you'd say was BBC content. I think like for before a test match, look, I, I'm in agreement with it being fun, but I'm not, but you're doing that 
where to an audience where they you're bringing to life people in a different way that they already know this might be the first touch point for people of as women's players and do we want to be it was, it was a real opportunity to maybe show a different side to the girls um and and i just feel like they missed a trick and i think it was potentially a little bit lazy of them to to show that type of content um but anyway apart from that i, I think we it was awesome. talked about the men's england game i feel like we're running out of time so we can't well can i finish on the women's though because i just i know that i just want to say actually that fair play to england they 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 demolished France, but France fell apart at set piece, the unforced errors. Why Menager is is starting on the wing at the moment, I don't know. She was poor against Scotland, she's poor against England. Like Shannon Nizar came in and played fullback. I don't know whether that's because Tremelier is injured, but um she did a good job and I, I got a lot of time for Shannon. But um yeah, I think the two tries after half time put the game to bed. You could see it totally changed. It went from ten all at half time to like 24 10 and it's like game over and you could see the French change and like the amount of forcing stuff um but yeah I, I just want to give a couple of shout outs one for Helena Rowlands um her second cap starting looked brilliant out there um I thought she played with a calm head and was everything that I would have wanted from her in her second cap which is class um I think Abby Dow, I think, defensively was spot on and she took some massive hits. Fair play to her. <laughs> she would have been sore um, on, uh, on Sunday. And, then, and finally, Leanne Riley, who's been out injured with an ankle op. And I have criticised England because of the lack of kicking from the nines. And I know that that's part of the game plan. However, Leanne put in two incredible box kicks one that led to the first um it was like a rolling kick um that led to the first try because it put england in the right position on the field um and the second one they were called back actually but she put this rolling kick in that ended up like five meters from the touch line and uh, from the try line and i don't know it was just really really good to see a nine do that in a white shirt because we haven't seen it in a long time leanne's been out injured and she's come in and uh yeah i think she added tempo and pace uh, to the game which was brilliant so yeah little hat tip to her good stuff um are they at home now this weekend yeah so and actually they're playing before the men's so i will be i'm commentating with england ireland uh, men's uh, so hopefully i can escape the truck and all the production meetings and pretend i'm comment i'm in the commentary box but actually watching the women well don't um, wear your voice out before the men's game <laughs> England men, really quick word on it. 44-0. I should imagine for Eddie Jones, one of the biggest things was keeping a clean sheet. Two pretty big performances from them. Um, Jamie George with 400 tries in his last 10 appearances. Uh, England <laughs> this weekend. Are England going to batter Ireland? Um, I don't think so. I, I, I think that the weather will have an influence. I also think that Sexton potentially being out is significant um except on a murray <laughs> um i think that that's a it, it's it's a hell of a lot of pressure for someone to step into those shoes i don't think that you know billy burns i'm going to do the classic i know him i taught him well i worked with him at hartbury college when he was a little whippersnapper um 
he's been playing really well and he look he's used to taking some big beatings um in pro 14 with ulster and in champions cup but it is a different story when you've got like player after player after player coming in a white shirt because they are formidable um so i think that that's going to have a big influence um and yeah say the weather you know what i what i was impressed with with england was um the fact that they only let go five penalties um and actually when the weather's that bad you end up playing better and not doing that many 50 50s because you know it's really bad it's when it's like that really crap drizzly rain that makes things really wet that you just break the scots call it oh well there you go that's um awesome. that's just completely stopped my way of thought Sorry. i think england will win <laughs> there you go. I just want to have a really quick word on is that it's been uh, confirmed today that France will be awarded. Are you there? Oh, yeah. oh that scared me. France will be awarded 28 points, uh, match point, not match points. Match points? Score, a score of 28 nil and a bonus point because Fiji recorded positive COVID tests, which meant the game couldn't go ahead. This, I know that that's the standard that Prem Rugby um, are using for games that get cancelled. It doesn't feel right to me um, for a number of reasons. I think if it was perhaps not France-Fiji that had fallen to this, it would be different. Fiji are not a tier one nation. The point of this Autumn Nations Cup, to some extent, is to pull through teams like Fiji and Georgia and, and try and help tier two nations eat at the top table they are not going to have the resources the finances at their disposal to keep their players in a secure bubble as perhaps england france wales scotland ireland it is different for them and it just it's an act of god this virus it, it feels yeah, but, but it but at the same time it doesn't like everyone still plays what four games so it's not like well obviously they're not because they've got they've got missed one i think that you know the points situation seeds people out of their pools so it means like who do you play at the end and and yeah all right it they'll be a bit frustrated but they're not going to think that they're going to win or maybe they would but to to win the pool to go on to win this championship it's not like a world cup so i think actually yeah, I like where you get knocked out do you know what i mean if you're getting knocked out it'd be a bit different because then it's a bit like we've got this team in here that want to develop and now we're punishing them and then they can't play. I think the fact that they're playing every weekend means that it just determines who they might play in a different way. Um, I, I know what you mean about going to end. If, if these are the two teams that struggle the most with this, which I imagine they will be, are we going to end up with a situation where it's nailed on that the two tier two nations are the ones who play off at the end of the tournament? Well, no, because imagine if there's positive cases. I mean, they can happen, positive cases in other teams, and then all of a sudden... But my argument at the moment is the team that we've seen it happen in is the Tier 2 Nation, who are going to find it more difficult because of finance and resource to maintain these bubbles. I know how the bubbles are working for the other teams because it's making my job 10 times harder. And I know how different it is for the Georgians and Fijians, having spoken to press officers, players and stuff like that. So I don't know. It just, to me, there just feels like an element of, of unfairness about it. In the World Cup, it wouldn't have been a 28-0 if a game couldn't go ahead. It it's a, a no-score draw in the case of a 
Heracles. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a fair one. I think maybe, yeah, maybe looking at it like that, actually it should just be nil-nil because no one's fault unless they can deem that they've gone, you know, because sometimes it can happen and you just don't even know you've tried your absolute best. But if anybody has purposely contracted a virus you can't say that somebody's responsible because they left the team environment well you you can in the barbarian situation you can say nobody tested positive though in that yeah but they they put it at risk didn't they so they haven't put it at risk they've done everything possible they can prove that they've done everything possible but this has happened yeah maybe a nil nil um might have been a bit more fair but they but all of the nations with all of these things will have signed up to a code of conduct and signed up to the rules beforehand so they will have known that and they can argue that before do you know what i mean they can say no we feel this or we feel that so they can't necessarily feel completely aggrieved it was like the whole world cup situation i i you know i know as well as anyone how much a participation agreement is set in stone from the minute the first ball is kicked but it just still feels there's just something that leaves a little bit of a sour taste in my mouth about it. I just don't feel there's a lack of fairness there. Well, and on that I, note, yeah, there we go. Um, you know, what's not yeah, fair. Let us know what you think about everything that we've talked about today. Cause we've had a real yeah. soapbox moments today. Yeah. We've been, we've been deep in the, deep in the in the chattering um we didn't do very well in the match pint make sure you sign up if you want to get involved with us i'm not going to promote it too well because i just got 10 points on each of the games but um <laughs> no, it's not a great start but you know the only way is up baby all right see you soon see you soon guys planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.